Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start recording. Talk Recorded live. Okay, folks, we're back. Sorry about the interference. Things happen. So. Standard computer glitch. Yeah, <laughs> got a virus. You got to be careful. You're, you're, it's funny because I was doing some uh, research uh, kinda from the, the article that we're reading from, and they, they have a name for folks like us. <laughs> um, I got to find that article again. I think that's one thing I forgot to do is get that retreat. Gentlemen, have you ever send me that article again, one of you? Uh, yeah, I can do it. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, <clears throat> it, uh, I guess, is one. Sometimes there's like uh, coded words or certain things that they put in there that they know is going to end up being like a. Yeah. Uh, what do they call that? Well, it's a virus, but it's like what I was saying. They're trying to get you to, to, to buy some kind of mal- malware package, you know, Neil? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like things that you don't need. Everything that you don't need, and they, they, they you call them up. I got suckered the first time doing that, and I called mm. them up, and I said, oh, yeah, I need your help. And they're like, oh, we're the really great guys. And, and then uh, by the end, it's like it's going to cost you 300 bucks. And I go, wait a minute, I can just do this for nothing. What are you doing? So, anyways. So, can we continue where, where we're at, if you remember, or you have any thoughts? Um, um, something I'd like to mention to people, if you're out there listening, when you come across any website, uh, that'd be ours, or uh, something like, like this one that we're uh, dissecting at the moment right now, um, what you want to do is don't, don't read stuff and then automatically say, oh, yeah, wow, this is a great truth. I'm going to go with it. You have no idea uh, whether or not it's true or not. Take what they say, go and study. I mean, really dissect it and take it apart because your very life could depend on whether or not what you're believing is true or not true. When you come across a slick website uh, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, this is, this is the way it is, this is, this is cool, this is true, um, that doesn't make it truth because it's slick. There's, there's an old uh, term out there that uh, I'm going to show my age by saying this, but a gentleman named W.C. Fields uh, from, from a long, long time ago as an actor there saying, he says, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with BS. And <laughs> when I <laughs> seems to happen quite a bit, <laughs> I, I come to a lot of these websites, and they they just have page after page after page after page of stuff. And I think the average person reads it and they become so confused because they're so uh, uninitiated into these concepts and so ill-informed, even about you know their Old Testament or even their New Testament or the Greek or the original languages that um, there's so much information on these pages, they go, geez, it must be true. Look at the amount of information. Look at the research this guy's done. It's got to be true. But it's uh, not. Just because somebody has a lot of BS doesn't mean it's, it has any use other than for gardening. 
Yeah. And I want to bring, uh, if you gentlemen look at the article there where they have the picture of the werewolf and the, the, the pictures of the moon, and that, I just want to bring up a couple of things for folks too, because this is all part of this way of, of whether they're conscious, I'm sure they're conscious of what they're doing. They're using imagery sure. to uh, scare people and confuse people and the subtle thing. You know, so we have one picture, it's like, when is it, when is the seventh day? lie to me and of course they got that old guy half a face they always use and so well, once all see a tv show from the tv but, show lie to me yeah and then there's also the other thing too i just like to say is like because they use that constantly with the illuminati and all that kind of stuff so oh it's got to be illuminati that was behind this and then the other thing is then they got and i mentioned this to, to zen i said you know i wonder if this whole concept about werewolves that's been perpetuated that a lot of it was really uh kind of a, a degradation or an insult to Lunar Sabbath people. You know, to subconscious, Sabbath. subconscious programming. Yeah. It's just like that picture. If, if somebody is putting out truth and, and they really, uh, they, they, they have truth and they want you to know this truth, um, when you go to the website, it's going to be very matter-of-fact. It's going to be kindly worded. It's going to be trying to do stuff uh, the way that a person with a kind heart would. When you see a picture where they have Lunar Sabbath Man and then there's a full moon with what appears to be a werewolf guy in front of it, you have to ask yourself, what, what are you starting to see here? None of that has any, um, any bearing in showing me whether or not the information is true or not. That's a simple and absolute emotional tug to yeah. make the person who thinks Lunar Sabbath is a werewolf or is somehow has lunacy and when somebody uses emotional tactics like that, it's, it's like yelling Nazi in, in, a, in a room with Jews. Right. Which um, is interesting because the word that they're using for uh, for people who uh, believe in this uh, Lunar Sabbath thing, it's now that many Christians are becoming net, I guess it's net serums. That's N-A-T-S-A-R-I-M. And I guess it's some kind of cult that was in the, in the uh, Palestinian region or something like that, but it sounds an awful lot like Nazis to me. <laughs> First glance, and the other thing I want to bring up as well is the picture. He says there's a, as if we needed more confusion. Are these Sabbaths? And then of course they have pictures of the moon, and they don't look like anything of the faces of the moon. It's just you know full moons and half moons, and so that in itself is confusing the issue as well. I don't know if you noticed that. So they don't even try to yeah, represent. It's strange. Yeah. So that's why no, I they don't did even this. The... I was just going to say they did the same thing with the whole Lucifer Father Cain stuff. They tried to tie it to you know white supremacy or Arianism or something like that just to throw people off from it as a, a, a revelation. They always, whenever you can't attack the, well, they attack the message and also the messenger, and yeah. they do everything they can to try to throw people off to keep them from looking at the information or regarding it in a serious manner. Exactly. Whenever whenever you have a website that, uh, as, as Zen said, attacks the, um, the, the, the messenger and not actually gives. Here's what they believe, but here's why it is not correct. And they don't they don't come at it uh, from a logical, providing proof standpoint, but run through emotion. That that's a big warning sign to me. 
because it tells me that they're not trying to um, inform people, but they're trying to deceive people, and that's very much a tactic that is used by cults. They don't let you have the truth. They just keep pounding away at the lie, and they do it with pictures and emotion, and, and when they do that, you really need to be uh, worried about it. And the second tactic that you need to look for is that they will all automatically say that the other people with their lies, they're the ones that are causing division among the brothers, and they're the ones that you have to watch out for. Whatever they point the finger and that they, they claim the other person's doing it, that's the very thing the person themselves are doing, and they're trying to turn you away from realizing that they're doing that. So watch for that also on a website. Yeah. Uh, interesting, you know, because I hadn't read through this article yet, but I was scrolling through it just looking at the, you know, kind of the the highlights of it. And it's interesting to me that right before they get to the very conclusion, they have this whole um, this whole portion of it about Allah, the moon god, yeah. and they're tying it to Islam. Yeah. And so I guess all the the people that follow the ancient Hebrew lunar calendar and actually follow Sabbath according to what the book of Enoch describes as, you know, the new moon and the phases um, being particular to the the um, seven-day sabbatical weeks that we're all uh, Allah worshipers. <laughs> it's just crazy to me, the associations and how they try to defame people that know and understand truth. Yeah. Well, I would like to continue to do a little bit of this reading, uh, then we'll go into it. Uh, it says here, uh, Lunar Sabbath Stronghold, like Sun Day, an abomination of desolation. <laughs> Why would Satan work so hard to reprogram the whole world to rest on his day, the Sunday? You know. Sounds logical, right? Yeah, that's true. It becomes uh, the weekly Sabbath day. Uh, It's because the weekly Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week, the sign forever between Yahuwah and his people. Now that many Christians are becoming Natsurim. Natsurim, I believe, is the word. uh, Natsurim, thank you for correcting me. A new scheme to deceive them is ramping up. I had no idea this was ramping up. Interesting. Mm. New idea that the seven-day week is reset. Uh, each new moon is another trick, and behind it is the deceiver of the whole world. Mm. How do you feel See, about that? Did you associate with Satan? <laughs> the thing that... Well, thank you very much. Um, I know. <laughs> what, what people need to understand is uh, you, you won't be able to actually find this, this seven-day system that these people keep talking about. There is no uh, seven-day system set up anywhere. There are seven days that uh, creation is occurring and the Sabbath at the end of it, but there's no seven-day continuous system that is ever talked about in the Bible. That is a new creation. On the other hand, if, if the person who wrote this article did any checking historically, then he would know, he, as he said here, Satan worked so hard to reprogram the whole world to rest on the day of the sun. Yes, that's correct. But if you go to that time period when this occurred around 342 with the Council of Nicaea, you will also find out at that time 
that the Jews who were under Khalil II, their Sabbath was changed from the lunar Sabbath, and they were made under Khalil II to lock it down to the Friday Saturday. It was changed at that time, along with the Christians moving theirs, who were using also the lunar Sabbath, theirs was moved over to Sunday under the Catholic Church. And if he'd done any amount of research historically, he'd know this. And yet this this person hasn't even touched on this, which tells me that they haven't done research, and that should worry the reader. Right, absolutely. And also, you know, we read from Jubilees Chapter 6, it was a prophecy given to Noah uh, about, you know, how his children would lose um, lose the days and um, change the calendars and accept a, a, a one day out of seven for the Sabbath and I mean all of these things were prophesied and it's um, and as far as um, uh, the other thing with you know what we we're bringing forth, it's so funny that they said that all this information is ramping up and yet really I I don't hear anybody else talking about this. Um, it's crazy. The only person that I even knew that uh, was talking about this was, you know, after I started writing my latest book and talking to Chris and discovered that him and Brad had, you know, wrote a book about all of this. And and there are a few people. I've also talked to Rob Skiba about these things, but I don't remember anybody else even mentioning this or even coming to this knowledge. But um, I'm glad that, you know, even with them ridiculing and making fun and being thrown out this disinformation, at least it's bringing people to um, focus, just like with Christmas, even though it's a, a pagan holiday, at least it does bring focus on Christ, even though it's not his birthday. But And so maybe it'll intrigue some people into, you know, learning the truth or investigating and studying it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go on to the next line, guys, because as as reading this, we're talking to them, and uh, this really weird thing here, he goes, here's a dilemma for those who calculate their weeks based on the moon phases. The year Yahu, I don't know how he gets Jesus out of that, Yahusha was impaled as our Passover. We know the Feast of Matzah began at sunset, the beginning of the fifth day of the week. Um, That's absolutely incorrect. Uh, it wasn't the fifth day of the week, and I can prove that. Um, the month of Nisan, Passover, is on the 14th day. Now, the uh, the first day, the eighth day, is a Passover. Sorry, is a Sabbath. We figured that out, uh, and then we know that the 15th is also. Sorry, not a Passover, Sabbath. We also know the 15th is a Sabbath, and Passover is the day before on the 14th. So, if we know that the eighth was a um, Sabbath, and you count forward from that, so the ninth would have been the first day of the next week, then you would have had the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and that's, that's six days in. Right. So he can't even get his days right. It has to be <laughs> on the 6th. The other thing is the Feast of Matzah begins at sunset on the 15th of the month, which would have been the seventh day of the week. So he needs to correct that. Um, right. Because Matzah begins on the seventh day, not on the fifth day of the week. So he's got another error in there, which simple, if he'd read Leviticus, he'd know that. Exactly. 
Well, I think also part of the problem is too is uh, we're talking about institutional religion here now, so mm -hmm. it's a threat to their premise and existence, the basis of their religion, right? That their whole idea here is that you know it's the Saturday, it's the seventh day, that kind of thing. So they don't even go into depth about actually even the lunar cycle. They don't do any of that. So they don't even just even explain why, no. what is. Uh, what is the beginning based on the lunar cycle? So probably doesn't even know. But yes, like Sen said, this is another thing that caught my attention. Really, not only are they comparing already uh, the two people who will try to keep or try to keep the lunar Sabbath as werewolves, but they're also, you know, uh, you know, the following into Satan. <laughs> footsteps of that. Yeah, it's, it's a subconscious. Um, I'm reading through here down to another part. Um, yeah, please on, that, keep on reading. Keep reading. That I wanna, You're a better reader than I am. <laughs> I, want, I want to show how his, his, his subconsciously been programmed not to realize what he's saying. Um, I'm just going to say Jesus rather than, than his. Jesus was placed in the tomb before sunset on Passover the 14th. That's correct. And that first night began the 15th uh, day of the first moon, so in other words, the 15th day of the month, which would have been a Sabbath, correct, because Catholics have always been taught people, sorry, because Catholics have always taught people the preparation day for the high Sabbath was on a Friday, okay, everyone hearing the repeated lie thinks the 15th of the moon was a weekly Sabbath. They have a problem counting to three as well and ignore the sign of Jonah, three days and three nights. Did, did that make sense to anyone? No. Mm -hmm. no. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's starting to move into the battle with the BS because I have no idea what he's trying to say there. Like, that made no sense when I just read. And I thought it did the first time I read it. <laughs> well, continue <laughs> reading. Continue reading, please. Okay, there is no record of Jesus instructing us to reset the seven-day week based on the moon phases. See, now there's another thing. When, when, anywhere, was there a seven-day week? Okay. Uh, not. And if it was a seven-day week, if we, if we count the seven-day week and pretend there was a seven-day week, that calendar was constructed by the Romans. The Romans were occupying Israel at that time. They were hated. They were despised. They would kill them if they had a chance to. And you're going to tell me that they would have been using their calendar? All right. I don't think so. <laughs> if anyone ever used the moon to reset the weekly set of seven days, who can say they were correct? You see, historically, this person has done no checking historically on, on how this was done. The, uh, uh, if you look up the works of Josephus, um, Josephus talks about the fact that when you go into uh, the Sanhedrin on the wall, they actually had different sized crescent moons, and, and they were positioned differently. And then someone would come in and say, I saw the crescent moon, because you got a free meal if you're the first guy in. Um, they would say, which one did you see? And so you have to point to what size the, the crescent was. If, if this wasn't used, then why was that stuck on the wall? Right. I, yeah. And I it was know. important. You know, it was I had no idea. Did you know that, Zen, that it was on the wall? I had no idea. Where, where do you get information like that? Where can you find that? Uh, 
the the writings of Josephus, he he has a lot of uh, work on Sabbath and how it's done. Um, if you go Philo to, too, yeah, Philo is another one. If you go to our website, thechronicleproject.org, okay. and go just a little down the page, you'll see our book on the destruction of Sabbath. You'll see a picture of it. Click on it, and you get an automatic free download, which you can send to anybody you want. And all of that information is in the, the full history on how it got changed is in there. And that will probably help people understand what we're sitting here babbling about a little more. Citations? Yeah. Citations? Yeah, citations and everything. I would definitely <laughs> recommend uh, for anybody the, that is listening to this show that wants to know more, uh, I would definitely recommend Chris's book, the Destruction, Chris and Brad's book, The Destruction yeah. of Sabbath. It's incredibly well written and so historically accurate and contains so much information that people need to know in regard to um, Sabbath, determining Sabbath, and also you know, what led to the replacement of the calendar and the loss as far as being able to determine when Sabbath occurs. Um, because, you know, when they took us to the the Gregorian calendar, which runs all the days and the weeks and the months and the years, all congruent, one after the other after the other, with no exclusion for the lunar Sabbath, uh, that threw everything off. And so now, uh, according to the way that both of the calendars um, mix and match it, Sabbath can be on any day of the week according to the Gregorian calendar yeah it moves around and people have trouble understanding that but the two don't, don't try to mesh them we're going um, I'm glad you guys yeah, said, right. um, <laughs> I'm glad you guys said uh, do I have no, uh, uh, notations as to where the information came from in, in the book because yes super important if you're looking at any website you should hold the person who is presenting the information to actually be accountable for the statements that they make. Uh, I'll, I'll move a little further down on this. Um, we can either believe the inspired scriptures or the unreliable record of encyclopedic sources. See, unreliable record of encyclopedic sources. First off, uh, you need to cite to me proof of that, and he didn't. The Romans didn't invent the seven-day week, he says. Okay, fine. Since the time Jesus walked the earth, there has been no alteration in the pattern of the seven-day week. Citation, please. That, that's a great statement, but there's no proof. He just states and moves on. Since Jesus neglected to tell us about the moon resetting the weeks, he will also understand why we don't know anything about it. Why would Jesus talk about something that everybody knew? He didn't talk about potatoes either, but they exist. He didn't talk about smoking cigarettes. Okay? That, that's, that's a crazy thing to say. I mean, he didn't talk about women's undergarments. Okay? So to say Jesus didn't say anything about, you know, how the calendar works, well, why would he? Everybody knew how it worked. They were actually doing it properly. He didn't come to tell us, hey, congratulations, you're doing that properly. He came to say, hey, look at this. This isn't being done properly. That's the stuff he was focusing on. Right. Interesting. And then uh, so as far as the claim of that's never been changed a seven-day week, and, it's, uh, well, you, do you still have that? Either one of you have that from Brad? Brad found that one in, uh, I guess it was the Samoan Islands, is that where it was, where they changed? They literally just a few years ago actually changed the seven-day week. Well, 
you know what? There's, <laughs> there's been multiple times that the seven-day week calendar has been changed. The Romans had a 10-day calendar at one time. Um, it, it's all over the place. Well, just, and just recently, a couple of years ago, they did the whole oh, yeah, and, and, and that nation. <laughs> France, France also tried uh, working with a work week that wasn't seven day long. There's, there's been multiple times the calendation system uh, down through history has not been a continuous seven day cycle, and there's no proof that it ever has been. The next line he has is is again one of those subconscious things that you slap in after you you, you put in all of this under uh, other stuff that had no backing. If we fall for the lunar Sabbath, we will not have the sign of the everlasting covenant, which is the weekly day of rest, the Sabbath, the commemoration of the creation week. See how what we did there? Now I'm going to throw in some fear that if you bother to even look at this, you're going to go to hell. Okay? That's, that's, that's perfect cult material. I love that. That's psychological programming. Oh, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. You can't just do that if we fall for the lunar Sabbath. Okay, that, what, what? We will not have the sign of the everlasting coming. Well, that's like me saying, if you don't get the lunar Sabbath correct, you won't have the sign of the everlasting covenant there. Mine just blanked his out. Right. It's crazy. This, well, this here's a, here's a question. Stuff without actual... it's, sure. does, does anybody in this uh, conversation have a desire to start a cult or religion around this lunar Sabbath? Because I don't. Do you? I, I don't want anybody coming near my place. <laughs> <laughs> well, my point in all that is, is that you know, no, I don't know anybody who's trying to oh. this on Sabbath that wants to start a religion at all. They just want to be more of a personal relationship with their creator. They could care less. If, I mean, I could care less if the rest of you do it. I mean, I don't. And well, that's my basic reaction. Here, I presented you with what we know, and after that, you have fun with it. And if you don't want to keep Sabbath as it's described, I don't care. It's not going to change my life. Well, let's put it this way. If you see... Well, I mean, it's not like it's one of the commandments or anything. (laughs) But no, but then say this. If you see organized religion and brick and mortar revolving around the lunar Sabbath, you can count on it that it's going to turn into a cult and this basics is cultish. So I I would be worried if you start seeing churches all over the place start call themselves the Lunar Sabbath Day Adventists. You know what I mean? I mean, it would uh, be a concern to me, at least. I don't know how you feel, but generally speaking, that's not a good thing. And I don't really see really biblically why we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and if there is a church like that, and if they declare that they can sleep with your children or your wives, then maybe run the other way. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Seriously, if you go to any uh, institution and they tell you that they have the truth to the exclusion of all others, they don't. Run. Yeah. Yep. Want to continue reading here? Yeah, I'm just going to look up um, uh, something in Exodus because that's here. You guys, uh, if the new moon is a Sabbath, it was surely violated each first day of the first moon. And we have Exodus 41 and 2, so I'm looking up the Hebrew here. Uh, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the month, thou shalt rear up the tabernacle of the tent of the meaning. Okay. Uh, let me read the Hebrew. Amid the day of the Chodesh, which is the new moon, the first of the month, uh, amid the Chad, amid in unity, toward 
Dash, okay. Proceed to oh, proceed to the place to join that shakan, the tent of the uh, meeting. Okay, you see, it says nothing about rear up that tabernacle. The word rear up is not there. Isn't that, this is the part, by the way, of the translation presently as it sits. It drives me crazy. I remember this one. This is one of the first ones that Brad sent me, and he said, look, he said, um, we've got all this information that we snuck out of the Seventh-day Adventist church. They've hidden, and people throw this scripture out, and you guys can actually take it with, with self-defining people and show me if, if it actually says that we're supposed to put a tent up on uh, the first day of the month. And I remember running this through, and the word rear up is not even there. There's no word rear up, and yet, ooh, it appears here. And if I remember correctly, if you look that word up in the Strong's, every single time that it's used, it means something completely different except here. And here and here alone, they wrote in rear up. And that, to me, shows me it was done on purpose. And that should scare you. What about this uh, question? Is there a question asked by Lunar Sabbath verse? Can any evidence be found in Scripture of a repeating seven-day pattern? What do you think about their answer there? Um, no. no. <laughs> well, this is just your answer, but what about their answer? Um, answer, for a first look in concordance to the word weak. Um, See, I don't know Hebrew, so you know Hebrew better. That's why I want you to okay. just... Sure, hold on a second. It says uh, number 7620. So let me look this up. Seven, I wish you'd given some references. 76, 20 strongs. Good thing we have computers, huh? And I know this might seem a little mm. tedious and all that, but you know, oh, please consider the other uh, folks who are just new to this, you know what I mean? It, this is, it will be advantageous to them. So, Just the, the fact that we're just questioning this article will be very advantageous to anybody who hears this, you know? Give them thinking, critically thinking about the, the topic, you know what I mean? So go ahead. Okay, I'm just cracking a dictionary here of my own because we write everything down. While you're, while you're doing that, I'll just point out that the obvious in the article, they, of course, and it looks like Soros. Is that correct? Would you say that Soros, uh, Zen? What, what is Soros? The picture of Soros and under the... Oh, there's a picture down there. Oh, uh, in there. I'm downloading Targums. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing something better. But I just, I, there's something else. You got uh, a crazy looking Soros, uh, and of course, he's a Jew, and he's a businessman, a billionaire, and, uh, and of course, they got him. So I guess he's, yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if he's uh, a Jew or not, or if they just portray him as one. He might not, he might be a Roman Catholic for all I know, but, uh, uh yeah, they got their little crazy look going on. So, and of course, psychologically, once again, this is what they're doing. They're associating Soros because he's supposed to be involved in all these other nefarious uh, things going on in the United States to, to, to topple the country. So, one more thing. So, one more subliminal oh, okay. message. So, by the way, if if Soros sure. is involved with this, Chris, you ought to call him up because he might finance you, give you some money. <laughs> See, he is a billionaire, after all. (laughs) Um, The word that we're looking at is uh, Sharia, and uh, it means to quarter. Okay? Um, And that's regarding the moon again. 
uh, it's to distribute the to distribute the ark is is what it means in uh, an ark in uh, in Hebrew using self-defining Hebrew means to distribute to ark so the distribution of the arcs which it's to quarter uh, it's the phases of the moon is what it's talking about so it said uh, if you look in the concordance for the word week this is the word to come up the word is based on the word Shabbat seven and eh, not really the word sabaton is used 58 times in messianic writings for the Brit Chadashah uh, and is translated as seventh day of the week or weekly Sabbath day, but in nine cases it's translated as week, referring to the cycle or period of seven days we're familiar with. Uh, okay, so what's that got to do with... Okay, yeah, he's lost me again. Uh, it actually means quarter, but it, it would be a seventh day period. Sure, okay, I'll agree with seven day period, but that doesn't talk about a seventh day or seven day continuous week it just talks about the period that is a week so I'm, I'm not sure what he's going but the next thing that he's talking about I can tell you about this because I get a lot of letters on this he's going to go to Leviticus 23 15 16 uh, talking about counting off the weekly Sabbaths to try to find the, uh, and, and then you add 50 days on it trying to find uh, this feast that's coming up, okay? And um, it, it, it's, it's this count of the count of 50 days. If you're not a Jew, if you're not in the Old Testament, this will be absolutely meaningless what we're going to talk about now. Um, but I'll just read what he has. Um, the weekly Sabbaths are used to count off seven Sabbaths. Um, no, that's not true. They're not used to count on seven Sabbaths. It says in Leviticus 23, count seven Sabbaths. It doesn't say count seven weeks. It says count seven Sabbaths. The word week is not there at all. Okay? It says count off seven continuous Sabbaths. Now, Sabbaths aren't all uh, spaced seven days apart. And this is what this gentleman, again, doesn't understand. And so a lot of people, when they're counting at this time period, they're using the seven days, so they count 49 days, and then they add 50 days to that, and then they do uh, to find the thing. But that's not how it works. It says count seven Sabbaths. It doesn't say count seven weeks. So what you get is you get your new moon is the first Sabbath, then the 8th, 15th, 22nd, 29th, and then either the first of the month or the space spacer day until the moon appears again, and then there's an automatic another Sabbath. So you don't have 49 days uh, that's going to occur in there. If, you, if you're using the lunar calendar, it's not that count. And this area is actually really screwed up on people's understanding of it. And again, as you're listening to me right now, if, you don't, if you're not into this, you'll be like, what are you talking about? But uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is he has count off seven Sabbaths with what it says, but it doesn't say count off seven weeks. So the, the period that's being counted off here is not 49 days, it's seven Sabbaths. And he's trying to use this to show you that, uh, that this counting is done using seven-day periods, but it's not. And I bet you that was as clear as the congruent moon night. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, logic... Once again, I repeat this over and over again for folks: is that uh, <clears throat> you know, not to be disrespectful. There's a couple things I want to bring up actually. There, 
this may seem superficial, but I don't think so. One is that folks, uh, the Israelites, the Jews, you know, they were desert dwellers. They weren't operating under the Gregorian or the Julian calendar until it was posed upon them. So naturally, they would use something their their own, and the moon seems to be the most logical timepiece that God has given them. No one else, nobody can mess with that. Although now they have chemtrails, so I'm sure they'll be able to do that. But you know, back then, back then, you know, they didn't have them. So a lot of clear nights. Nights would have been very important, especially if you were in very harsh climates considering you know hot days cooler nights very cold nights yeah very cold nights down to almost zero yeah so you you think that they, they probably would be focusing a lot more themselves on the moon the other thing that i'm yeah. thinking about here's zen and i and you i got native uh, american blood in me uh, zen has some and i'm just thinking it just could be sorry sorry guys i'm as white as becoming I know you are. That's what I'm. My point is to bring up. There's, there's no sun up here. I'm ultra white. If you look at the indigenous <laughs> populations throughout the world, they did they, they weren't contaminated, polluted by the Roman Empire. They, a lot of them, were doing the things that we we're talking about. I just wonder if uh, there was a lot more interaction between, say, the Hebrews, the Jews, and the rest of the world than we realize. Well, uh, something I'll, I'll mention right at that point because that's a good point. Um, the Tower of Babel story that's in the Bible is is quite inaccurate. Um, and if you're bored, go to our website and read it. But the point that's very important is at, at the time, uh, in the Bible, it has God confusing everybody's language and they scatter over the earth. That never happened. Uh, in, the, in the restored version, what happened is that the city of Babel, the, the heads of the city became tyrants, and anyone who didn't agree with them they excommunicated them from the city, and it became just this horrible thing. And it says at that time, creators saw these, these uh, large families of people who were very good at what they were doing, you know, building this magnificent city. And it says he took them and he distributed them all over the earth so that they could take what they knew and they could begin new nations. And, and this is probably why people all over the world all use the lunar uh, cycle because these people all came from a centralized location, which is why in, in uh, southern U.S. there's a, a native group, and I forget which one it was. I just watched this on the History Channel, and they did testing on them, and they are Israelites. Why not? Uh, I just think they, I don't know. It might be uh, off base when I'm bringing it up here, but uh, it seems to me that uh, we've got a couple of... Uh, well, look at me and Zen. I mean, why are we talking to you about this? I wonder if there's some kind of um, genetic thing about it. Why are we so interested in this? It's, and, it's possible. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just something that's just speculation. But going back to this reading, let me get past the, uh, if it's all right here, I'm going to go through this. Uh, Lunar Sabbath idea is a new win of doctrine promoting the idea of the phase, the phases of the moon uh, identify or set weekly Sabbath. Even among those promoting this concept, there are major differences. These doctrines say the new moon resets the week. We know as the seven-day pattern ending the Sabbath. Of course, you kind of you comment on that, right? But mm-hmm. and the way the the, the uh, Yehudim, Yehudim, Yehudim yeah. have been doing it is wrong and inherited it from 
the Romans. Where did he get that from? And then we'll go a little further. I, I don't know. The, I wish he put a reference to that. All the cultures of on this planet, even those never having contact with the Roman Empire, have the same seven-day week. I want to like to know where he got this from. And the pattern going far back into the midst of history. It is unchangeable, and yet these new doctrines claim there was a change. The the Yehoshua, excuse me, Yehoshua never claimed. Yes, never claimed there was any problem, and certainly since his coming, there has been no alteration attempted. By anyone, anywhere. This is a lie. And uh, (laughs) those who who teach this new Lunar Sabbath method have no scripture to back them up. Reading their books and articles will readily show this. When we go to (laughs) unbelievers such as the the Karaites, is that how you pronounce it, Uh, to learn our foundation will soon begin to spin out of control. Yep. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> sounds to me like you read the book. You read your book, wow. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if he did, he would know that Chris has all of these source references, all of these citations, and he really wouldn't be able to write that about his book. Uh, in my opinion, well, he couldn't. He certainly couldn't mention the book now. But if you look at what I just read there, uh, clearly he's trying to refute what's in Chris's book. Mm-hmm. I mean, why else would he? Or anybody care, that writes care about us? these things, or are the Romans and all this other stuff? Uh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. They're basically feel good. They're basic tenets, one way or the other. As far as you know, you can apply to say, well, they're some historical evidence to this, but he's saying, or can we? The problem is he is not citing us. Why is this important? Have you um, have you read any of the Destruction of Sabbath? Have I? Yeah, I've read most yeah. of it. Yeah, so, it's an excellent book. And uh, I'm very tempted to read it on my show. Um, I read the I read the other book. Uh, Brad's. Uh, Thanks, guys. I'd, I'd really, I'd really like to take all the credit for it, but I can't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No. I read the other book from Brad's uh, family, his mom's mom. books, but uh, I haven't got around to reading on the show. Uh, uh, yep. Chris's. So, anyways, I, I just am wondering, since there is no real movement out there, why? jump on this, are they worried? Right, yeah, yeah. Why are they worried about this? I mean, let's face it, majority right. of people are going to think this is total rubbish. You know, they're going to think it's rubbish and they're going to pay attention to it. So. You know what I think as far as this? Um, you know how they try to, whenever, they try to get ahead of the curve so that whenever people search for you know, Google search for anything on, like, Lunar Sabbath, this article will be the first one to come up. And they'll, you know, and people reading it, then they'll associate anybody that yeah, tries right. to, at, yeah, adhere to uh, the ancient Hebrew calendar system or try to investigate or research it any deeper. 
the fact that they've tied lunacy and, you know, werewolf depictions and Allah and anybody that follows the lunar Sabbath, the lunar calendar is, uh, you know, in uh, Allah or Satan worshiper and Islamist. I mean, you know, all these negative connotations that they're totally going to run people away from even opening themselves to the possibility of it. And they do that with a lot of movements. You know, even back when I first began to learn about 9-11 and things like that, government-sponsored terror, um, there were a lot of these disinformers. And you know that they were paid, too, a lot of paid disinformers that go onto the web just to create these kind of websites, these kind of articles, so that they will stir away people that from investigating or researching these kind of topics. And that's just one of the standard modus of operandi for the New World Order. Yeah. And there's another reason why I picked this article, because you're right. If you punch it in, it's the very first thing that comes up, isn't it? <laughs> or just about. It's one of the very first ones. So, um, I don't know, but Jim, you want to go down here to this Allah thing? You know, I, I don't think we need to go to the Allah thing. What they're saying here is um, because the Muslims use the, um, the calendar, which is Luna-based, that somehow now it's evil. And my retort to right. him would be this. Well, you know what? They eat food, too. And so if you're eating food, then you're just as sinful as they are. They use the washroom. So if you're using the toilet, you're just as sinful as they are. You see, that, that's, that's ludicrous. If anything, it shows the opposite. Because the Muslims came from the teachings of the Jews, from the concept of Abraham's teachings. And if the Muslims are using the lunar calendar, it's proof that the Jews were using the lunar calendar. So as much as he's trying, maybe that's why he's trying to, to demonize them, because by doing that, and you won't look at the fact that a Muslim is based upon Abraham's teachings, and that would mean that Abraham was teaching the lunar calendar. Well, also, too, you know, with the the world the way that it is and with the division that is being created between um, Muslims and Christians, the whole controlled opposition that is even spoken about in, in Pike in the creation of the three world wars as a pretext to bring on a one world order and establish world government, uh, they, you know, they are totally creating both in the Muslim world, um, anti-Christian sentiment, and in the Christian world, anti-Muslim sentiment, and they're driving it as catalysts. And so here, anything that is associated with Muslim is viewed as with negative connotations, with um, jihad and terrorism, and, and so people are scared to even you know, have any kind of um, connection in that way. So if you just attribute something, even like um, there was an article where they were talking about how Flat Earth, they were trying to connect it to terrorism in the wording of the article. And they do those kind of things, again, as a way to attack the message, attack the messengers, and to stir people away from even beginning to investigate on things like this. Makes you wonder what the big deal is, huh? There's quite a, just, there's quite a bit, of, if you look into it, uh, 
quite a bit of actually disinformation about the lunar Sabbath mm-hmm. out there. How, how long? How long from your research, uh, Chris? How long has this issue even been some kind of on the radar? Even though the slimmest of bits, how long has it been out there? Sorry, the, the people are finally realizing that this has been hidden from them, or how long has they have they been trying to hide this? Because I mean, you go back to 342, and they've been and they and they squashed New Moon, and the, they they made it illegal to use the Hebrew calendar, and you're only allowed to use the Roman calendar. But it took them another 400 years to actually make this. Uh, all the way to England and, and shut England down. In England, 100 years later, they were still using, the Queen was still using the, um, the lunar calendar to, to find the feast days. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to take control, and they didn't want people to be observing in any way the Old Testament. So they literally pulled these two calendars apart, made the Hebrew one illegal, and then changed Passover into Easter and locked it on a completely different day to make sure it would never fall on actual Passover. And it's just, it's crazy the lengths they went to. Uh, and that should show you, because they went to those kind of lengths, that this is probably the right thing to be doing. Right, and important. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems instinctual that it would be, if you're someone who wants to honor and respect your your creator that you would find some way that which would be most you know reasonable logical certainly should not be based on man-made uh, calendar that's for sure that doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense at all so um when is the next uh sabbath again we talked about last time but just for people yeah. listening and all that tuesday night if you're in north america south america Tuesday night to Wednesday night. That should be interesting for me and Zen because we have a very interesting Tuesday night, don't we? <laughs> By the way, Zen, I really respect respect you for your uh, steadfastness and uh, your uh, faithfulness and your knowledge uh, last Tuesday show. If it's very impressive, so I thought it was forever sports. Now for well, fun, I thought it was a good discussion. Well, yeah, it was really interesting having four gentlemen from four different perspectives tried to have a civil conversation about such a thing as what we were doing, you know, talking about the Bible. With, without fear. Yeah, well, thank goodness there wasn't fear. <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't around each other, there might have been some punches. I don't know. I mean, uh, but I think we, yeah. we did a pretty good job being civil about it, the whole thing. But I thought that was fascinating, just the fact, you know, you got Zen, his perspective, mine, uh, Jonathan, and, and of course, Jaron, Basically saying that Christ is Satan, and <laughs> well, not basically. Yeah, no, Yahweh was saying Yahweh is Satan, yeah. and Christ is not the Son of God. That's what he was saying. You know, I hate to say it, but the way that the Bible is presently um, written, he does look like that. I mean, when you look at uh, how he's presented, and you know, he's cursing these people, he's cursing that people, uh, he looks like a real unpleasant uh, deity. Uh, I tried to use nice words, but but when we run it through self-defining Hebrew and we retranslate or restore it to the original Hebrew, none of this stuff is happening. He's not running around cursing people. He's not doing this. They have literally changed the actual 
words of the Hebrew to make Creator look like he is a horrible person. And that should tell you hey, he's in can you write an article on that? Can you write an article on that? Because um, I, I've come to that revelation just by understanding the the two bloodlines and the two seed lines and understanding that the judgments that he was levying were often against the fallen angels and their giant children and the bloodlines yeah. of Satan, the serpent seed. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and yeah, it would be interesting in, in having you, if you could uh, write an article about that, I'd like to share that because there, Jaron's not the only one. There's a lot of people. I mean, I get comments on my videos all the time that people are trying to tell me that you, you know Yahweh is is Satan and um, and they believe that and they have bought into it and they uh, and that's why you know the whole thing with kill every man woman and child well when you realize that the sons of Anak were the people that they were going against and they even yeah. the spies even come back and say that you know that uh, the these people are giants and they're cannibals and uh, you know, there's no way we can even go against them, and um, and when you have that realization, that revelation, it makes the story completely different. And the whole reason why the flood even was brought upon the earth, it wasn't because of the wickedness of humanity, even no, though not at all. most had gone the way of Cain. It was because of the the giants and the cannibalism and the drinking of blood and the offering of a of children and blood sacrifice and these kind of things and and you know um that's why the the father wanted to wipe out these abominations he yeah, still and does and will at the end of days yeah and you're absolutely accurate on that we um when we got to uh the book of noah which is chapter six uh in in um, the bible and you can find it in, in the chronicle project under the book of noah um, when we properly restored the Hebrew, uh, he specifically says um, that he's there, he wanted to wipe out not mankind, but that which joined mankind. And you'll notice, yes. you know, I, I was talking with, um, uh, the last couple of days we were talking about the first chapter of Genesis, and there's a specific word that they always leave out, and that word is us. And that word is again left, left out. So if you leave the word out, ah, then you get that uh, God was going to destroy mankind. But if you put the word ah in and it's there, then you get, and so he was going to destroy that which joined mankind. Yeah. And suddenly, suddenly we have a completely different story. And right. again, isn't it fascinating how they left out that one word? So that it makes mm-hmm. God look like a horrible person. By right. the time Anaheim. it came, go ahead. Good. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, by the time um, the the tsunami came, it was a massive flood plus the forty days of rain. By the time that came, there were no humans left on the planet. War and cannibalism and and just everything that had occurred had destroyed almost all of the humans. We had um, basically Noah and his family left. And when that flood came, it wasn't wiping out um, the, all these bad humans. It was wiping out, first off, uh, these 
uh, the, the angels, as we call them, sorry, they weren't angels, they were uh, originators, had interbred with humans, created these giants. The giants had been interbred with all of the animals, and they had caused this yeah. incredible, uh, horrifying intermix of, of, of abomination species-wise. And then these species, they began interacting with all of the other species. And pretty soon there was almost no bloodlines that were pure anymore. These abominations were all over the place, killing and eating. And I wonder sometimes if, if Tyrannosaurus rex, if their little human arms were actually that. Uh, so Creator was doing it to save mankind, not to wipe yeah. out mankind. And right, man is right. that important. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's even um, the second book of Baruch. There's a Slavonic and an Ethiopic translation where it actually mentions that 409,000 giants were wiped out by the, the flood. In one translation, yeah. it mentions 109,000 giants. And in the other translation, it mentions 409,000 giants. And the, both of those quotes are found in my fourth book, uh, Lucifer, Father of Cain. Because it's important a, to understand that aspect of it, that's, that's in my really opinion. Scary. That's really scary. And so creators is this good person instead yeah, of totally. this bad person. Uh, but heaven forbid that people might actually see that. Right. And, you know, mention of the giants, that's not in, even including all of the hybrids that you have mentioned, you yeah. know, the chimeras and the minotaurs and the centaurs and the mm -hmm. lion men of Moab and all of that. I mean, yeah. there were so many, Barosas mentioned so many different hybrid type people. Yeah, that's really creepy. What do you think mm -hmm. that, Zen, what do you think those lion men were? Were they literally half lion, half men, or were they just... Yeah, I, it's my opinion that they were actually hybrid-type beings, because um, there's also, um, you can read this old ancient Jewish lore about the reign of David and Solomon, and in that in that text, there's a lot of mention of these linemen of Moab. And also in Maccabees chapter 4, where it's talking about the, um, the king that's trying to get the, the rabbi, uh, the high priest and his family, his seven sons and his wives, to eat food sacrificed unto idols, uh, and they refuse to do so. And then they kill the high priest, and then they kill his seven sons in succession. And... Um, it's the, it's the most touching, and I mean, I cry every time I read that text, but anyways, um, when when you read the account, the lion men of Moab, the ones that are doing the torture, uh, they are these hybrid beings as well, and so it's a, it's a very interesting text, um, and you have, um, you know, throughout scripture, the mention of these particular beings, these particular deities these hybrid beings. Interesting. Uh, you know, uh, did you get the, from Jaron, those uh, couple verses, like the one, uh, Hosea 13, 16, and Isaiah? Yeah, he sent them to me. I haven't looked them up yet. Well, we look at them real fast as we're deviating, and we're talking about 
nasty things, <laughs> if you will. It says here uh, in Hosea 13, 16, says, uh, Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with children shall be ripped up. And I guess it's supposed to be... Oh, this must be in response to when I asked him to give me in Scripture a verse, because he said that uh, Yahweh demanded that baby's head be smashed against the, the rocks. But I don't see that in that verse. Um even though, yeah, babies dash the pieces. Same thing with every man, woman, and child being slaughtered when they entered into the land of Canaan. But it doesn't say that they were specifically smashing babies' heads against the rocks. She probably said infants should be dashed in pieces, and the women with child should be ripped up. Hold on a second here. Amid, uh, wow, that's really badly translated. Well, how would you translate that? Some, uh, I'm, just, hear, I'm just trying to read that's, some of this here. That's, um, that's why I brought it up, because you're here with us, so it probably is good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> yeah. good idea. Okay, hold on. There's, there's some yeah, of this. Why don't you read, read the other one while he, tra- while he figures the translation out for that one? Okay, okay, or just tell me what it is so I can pull it up myself. Uh, Psalms. One thirty nine seven, and is that the right one? Is that what I got? That's not right. Is it? No, it can't be right. Let me see what that one is again. One, it's uh, Psalms one thirty seven nine. Sorry, one thirty seven nine. I didn't think that was right. And it certainly didn't look right. It says, Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. By the way, this sounds an awful lot like the Jesuits' mm-hmm. oath. <laughs> the extreme induction. <laughs> That's what they have in their own oath. So I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to read that because I didn't remember that, but interesting. Uh, let me read the full chapter in contact and then we'll get Chris to comment on, on both of Okay. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Psalms 30. You want to read it for the people listening? Sure. Do you mean the chapter? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the rivers of Babylon there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy... Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be 
that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stone. So is this saying that, you know, that when they were destroyed, that this is what the other people sang in their song? Because the, or, or how are you taking this? Well, I don't know. I mean, part of it could be, you know, you know, it was, you know, think about it. They went into the captivity. They went through all yeah, the same. Yeah, that's what they're describing. It's definitely what the, the uh, Israelites experienced in captivity and the Judeans, I believe those other ones, right, uh, later on. So what is that? Is, that? is that, you know, is it a prayer of vengeance? And also, um, <laughs> the people of Edom, they were the children of Esau. And the children of Jacob and the children of Esau were at war with one another um, for, you know, ever since. Because Esau is counted as the seed of the serpent. He married a pagan wife and, and gave up his birthright. And he went to war against his brothers and the, you know, the sons of Jacob. And so they were forever long at war with one another. And Edom is considered that. And so... I would see this this verse and this translation as the what the children of Esau did to the sons of Jacob, and that the sound that the, they're singing is a memorial of their own people being slaughtered in that way. Very interesting take. And by the way, it's different than a lot of other folks and their interpretations. So uh, they usually approach it as a very unpleasant story. Um, but you know what? The history of mankind is an unpleasant story, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and very, you know, very, I mean, terrible things were done and have been done and will be done. Because even in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, it speaks about the same kind of thing that, you know, that even the unborn child will not be honored or cherished and that when they come upon the land of a, uh, unwalled villages, the, you know, the hammer of all the nations, and uh, which I take to be America, um, that there will be this, this, the women will be raped and they won't even have any concern for gold or silver. Um, do you know what I'm talking about as far as Jeremiah 50 and 51? Are you applying it to America? I, I, no. I don't. That's not something that. Yeah, you got to remember. Yeah. I, I, I am applying it to America just because of the the. It mentions the a nation without uh, unwalled villages and a, a nation that is considered to be the hammer of all the nations. You know how America is the country which goes and fights all the wars and you know brings destruction to a lot of like especially in the Middle East, destroyed Iraq and Afghanistan and. You know, they had nothing to do with 9-11 or attacking us on that day. Well, they certainly me, didn't plant the bombs in the buildings which blew up the World Trade Centers. Well, let me ask you this. I'm not saying you're not right, but back then, was there a nation that qualified for that? And if so, well, the could, 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 this be, uh, could this be like a satanic deception in itself, creating United States as some kind of, you know, to... Uh, People, also, this you know, I do a lot of research on other things on dispensational futurism. Uh, oh, that's good words there. And uh, you know, this whole thing about uh, 
a lot of things. Because for my own research, most of what's been in the Old Testament has already been fulfilled. You know, well, what I'm this saying? actually references a future time. Yeah, right. you know, there's a there's a section in the Book of Revelations I'll toss in. Um, the hammer, I believe that that line is actually repeated in Revelation. The hammer of, of the nations, and it's also around the same area where it says they export their sin to the whole world. And boy, I'll tell you, America. If anyone has exported their sin to the whole world, it is America. Yeah, right. But not just America. If you look back in history, there's been other countries that have done just there that. Has. But and I mean, just put, really in context, job, in context, because you know, world, you know, what, what do we mean by that? Is it the whole world that we know today, or was it the Roman Empire, their world, or you know, the Middle Eastern world? So, um, um, and they could just be antitypes, or what do they call it, antitypes or archetypes? Ar- archetypes. Hey, do you guys want to know what it says in Hosea? Sure, I do. Yes, please. First off, it has in, in, in English, it says, Samaria shall bear her guilt. In Hebrew, it said, to, pre- t- sorry, to proceed to extend those. That's the, first, that's the first part, okay? Do you see that anywhere in the English? Samaria is, or, or Shamara, no, sorry, Shamaravana, sorry, Shamaravan, there, I got it finally. That's Samaria, Shamaravan. That's the second word in the sentence. So the first word in the sentence in the Hebrew is to proceed to extend those of Shemaria. Okay. So this is not talking about uh, Israel doing this. This is talking about Samaria doing this. Ah, see, same context with the other one. Okay. So proceed to extend those. Yeah, Samaria. Thus, and then they have the word as uh, she has rebelled. It's that to omit, define, I'm not sure what that word means. Now, the next word is uh, amid to begin toward to be, and then amid to contract, so to dispense being, uh, to mount towards so them, so to basically saying hold back them from doing this, and to peak so being to remain being. So it's, it means women who are in a state of being about, they've gone full term. Okay? It says, so to cleave being. So it says that you are to keep them, the Sumerians, from killing the, uh, the uh, women with children, with unborn children. So, yeah, this whole... Ah, that's of, very interesting. Yeah, this whole... Uh, you know what... Um, yeah. I was in, in when you were talking about that. I remembered I have the the Targum translations of the Psalms, they and do. so I just pulled up 137. Yeah, and it it references what exactly what I just said. I'll I'll read them to you. Um, this is what it says in the Targums, as far as 137, and it cites it kind of exactly. You know, we're talking about Edom. Whereas you were talking about Samaria, um, this is Psalms 137. It says this. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Also we wept as we were remembering Zion. On the willows in her midst we hung our hearts. For there the Babylonians who captured us asked us to utter the words of songs and our despoilers. Because of their joy were saying, 
Sing for us some of the songs you used to utter in Zion. At once the Levites cut off their thumbs with their teeth and say, How can we sing the praise of the Lord on profane land? The voice of the Holy Spirit replies and says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, I will forget my right hand. My tongue will cleave to my palate. If I will not remember you, if I will not elevate the memory of Jerusalem above the principal joy of my temple, said Michael, prince of Jerusalem, remember, O Lord, the people of Edom who laid waste to Jerusalem, who say, destroy, destroy to the foundations of it, said Gabriel, prince of Zion, to the despoiling Babylonian mother, Happy he who gives back to you evil for what you did to us. Happy who takes and smashes your children on a rock. So, you know, in my opinion, he's basically, they're recalling and telling the story of what happened to them when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians. But yeah, the Hebrew, Hebrew backs that up, what he's saying. This, how about, how, is, talking, this how is talking about, about what they did to them. Um, yeah, because so, yeah, so Jared was saying that this is what the Hebrew God asked, you know, the Israelites to do to these other people to dash their children's heads against the rocks. But this is actually what happened to them, um, both in Samaria and, the Babel, and Babylon, uh, destroying them and destroying the temple. Yeah, this is that's actually what he says here. Um, I have more of a of the, the the actual Tanakh is what I'm reading from here, and what you're saying is that's exactly how it reads in here. How about Hosea? Can you read it? Hmm. It's basically what you have is um, by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst thereof we we had hung up our harps. For there they that led us captive asked us. Um, for words of song, and our tormentors asked us of mirth, sing us one of the songs of Zion. We said, how shall we sing uh, Creator's song in a, in a foreign land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. Well, that's not what it says. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, and remember you not. If I set not Jerusalem as my chiefest joy. Remember, O Lord, Oh, now they used the word against it. Remember, O Lord, against the children of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. You daughter of Babylon, you are destroyed. Happy shall he be that repayeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be uh, that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the rocks. But I mean, they, they whoa, boy, that's that's not what the Hebrew says. Don't have a. You're reading out yeah, of that the... Yeah, that seems twisted. Which translation are you reading out of? Um, I'm, reading from the, I'm reading from the Tanakh. But let me give you an example. The word happy in verse 9, happy shall he be. The first word happy is uh, is, uh, is the word establish, ashara, to appear, to manifest. So establish that this shall appear. And they have it as happy. It gives you an idea of how some of this stuff is like way out of. Sometimes 
I honestly think the translators just make it up as they go along. I really do. <laughs> How about you, Zen, with the, uh, oh gosh, just, my mind is one blank, with the book you just read, their translation. Um, oh, this is the Targums. Um, yeah, this Targums. It's from it's the Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Torah. Do you have uh, uh, Hosea thirteen sixteen there, or Hosea thirteen? Or anything? No, um, you know I was ta- I told you earlier I was downloading some um, some Targum translation, because I've I've been looking for as many books as I can find because I want to put them all together because they're so disjointed you can't find many of the books many of the texts. Um, and I was able to tonight find a Targum translation of Isaiah and also a Targum translation of the book of Ecclesiastes. But no, I, I've not been able to find one for Hosea. I found the Targum translation for Ruth and for um, Psalms. Um, and there's, you know, the Aramaic for, I think it's Aramaic or Hebrew for Joshua and Judges, but I can't read it. And that's why I sent it to Chris to make so maybe he can translate it. Um, and I've got the Pentateuch, the, as far as the five books of Torah. Also, um, a couple of other ones, but you know, there's the there's not a lot. Um, a lot of that has been lost, and a lot of that has been disappeared, and you're not, you know, you can't find much of it, and so. Well, I got a question. I got a question for you. How about Psalms 136? Because here we're, you know, the argument is that God is this terrible, uh, and you know, our, our creators is awful. Hey, awful guys, world. before we get to 136, uh, I want to. I've just been while you guys have been talking, I've been going through this last line because some of these words I've never seen before. Happy shall he be that taketh and dashes by little ones against the rock. Hmm. Um, the word rock isn't even in this line. Okay? I mean, it doesn't even appear. There's a word for rock, and it's not here. Um, so I have no idea how they came up with the word rock off of what I'm looking at. I cannot find the word little ones anywhere in here. What is some kind of projection on their part? Because when you think about it, the England, right. English translations, early ones, if you think about coming out of Western Europe, by the way, that was a quite a common occurrence in Western Europe. In the Middle and Dark Ages and during the Reformation, uh, it was quite a, a common practice for um, whether it's the Dominicans or the um, the Jesuits uh, with their Inquisitions. So that's exactly what they would do. That's what they did to the people, the Albigensians, and what they did to the, the Waldensians and others. So, and also, you know, it's just. Like when I, when I read this here, um, this one line that taketh and dashes thy little ones, um, it says and well, let me do this and therefore to pull away to join to mount towards so your or to be upon towards so your that does that sound anything like that taketh and dasheth thy little ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, if you if you take the word ale, which is which is the the aleph lament, okay, so the a and the l sound, if you're reading along in the Hebrew, the which the uh, translators, uh, and I'll give you the difference, uh, aleph lament means to begin toward. They have translated that as God, mighty, 
powerful. Uh, there's a whole list of stuff. But if you take it the other way and put the L sound first and then the A so that it's la instead of ale, that's to not exist. And they will literally, as you're reading along, they will, if it says ale, but they want it to say not exist, they'll translate ale as la. Or sometimes they'll translate la as ale. They just, they don't care. They just go along and do whatever they feel like. And people... <laughs> People don't believe me when I try to describe this to them. And, and some people have actually come here and I've sat them down and I've gone through the Hebrew with them and like 20 minutes in, their mouth's open and they're like, how can they do this? Because they're blown away when they watch what's actually there and what they translated as. It blows your mind. So when you go through and you find out the creator's this horrible person, but if you look down and you even used your strongs and went through, you'd be like, that doesn't say that. So that's what we're dealing with right here is this whole uh, Bible has been set up to make you hate creator and his people and his people. Well, I just uh, would like uh, Zen, if you could read that uh, Psalms 136, because... 136, 136 what, guys? Oh, Psalms, because, you know, it's very positive. You know, it says, oh, oh, Psalms 136... Uh, oh, I give thanks the whole thing. to the Lord, Lord. I don't hear what you what you have there, because um, you know it's a a, a wonderful uh, praise of God and how merciful or the Creator, how merciful He is and how um, just He is. I, I I go from there to then Him, you know, praying that He'll dash the little ones against the stuff. Right. It's something that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. I... It doesn't. And again, I'm taking, when you read the context of the fullness of it, in my opinion, it's Israel speaking about what was done to them by the Babylonians and they're recounting, you know, they're reminiscing uh, as to what occurred when they were taken exile and the temple was destroyed and they were, you know, Jerusalem was destroyed and trampled over. What, you agree, Chris? No. Um, I have seen so much messed up stuff in the last uh, six years that um, I, I wish I could take my eyes and put them in every person out there and, and let them know what I know because if they did, so much stuff would change. Because they, they they would know and they would understand just how much deception has been placed upon us and, and how much we should be turning to these texts and, and the learning of Creator. Again, let me give you an example because this is on our newsletter this month. A person wrote me, and I talked to Michael about this last night off the air. A person wrote me and said, it says that I'm to fear the Lord in the Bible. And it says it multiple times, Psalms 110, and there's just a new list. Fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. He said, how do you love the Lord, but be terribly afraid of him? Because you don't fear somebody you love. Could you look it up and tell me what it actually says? Does it say fear? So I looked up every listing I could find on fear of the Lord, and every listing says uh, learn of the Lord. The word, they translate fear, which doesn't mean fear, can't mean fear. And in fact, if, if you knew anything about Hebrew, you'd know it doesn't mean fear. They translate that word. What's the word? Uh, the word is um, to perceive so to continue. And, and that's the word to learn. 
to pursue something, so to continue to learn. It's it's Interesting. And every time they translated that word fear, and the word is not fear. If you want the word fear, the word fear is Raiha, um, and it's it's Reish Ion He, and that word means fear. But the other word doesn't mean fear. But boy, they slapped that in whenever they wanted around you know, Creator's name. But it always says to learn of Creator. Oh, there is one that's really cool. It says uh, to learn of Creator is to uh, is to stop fear. Ah, and so I was, I was, I was, yeah. And th- and this is in our newsletter this month. It's on the site, so uh, people can read that if they want. We also have the word, um, it's the word sin, and the word repent. Well, those words, the, the church has taken them and and made them into these confusing, horrible things. So when people hear it, they have no idea what sin and repent really mean. And if you look them up in the Hebrew. Sin means to become ensnared and entangled. So when your life gets all entangled, that's what sin actually means in the Hebrew. You need to stop because you become all entangled. You you have no direction. You don't know what you're doing. You're all ensnared. And the word repent literally means to sort out. So if you want to know what repent means, it means stop and self-untangle. Get your direction back where it needs to be. Yeah, that's cool. And everybody can do that. It's easy. Get yourself untangled, mm-hmm. sort it out, move on. Yeah, it's nice and simple. And if you look at Zacchaeus, who was in the tree, Jesus is coming along. He says, everybody, he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to have lunch with you. And he says, everybody that I've stolen from, I'm going to pay back twice what I stole. See, he sorted it out. Right. That's repentance. So easy, so cool. Hey, so Chris, are you going to write an article for us about the? Uh, you should write an article about, um, you know, the the judgment uh, as far as the of Yahweh throughout uh, against the giants and the seed of the serpent, and yeah, then also write about the fear of the Lord. I mean, yeah, uh, the fear of God. The, uh, I've already done that article because as you were talking about it, I remember that we did that article in some newsletter way back and really? now I'm gonna have to cool. go I'm gonna have to go find it. And I have yeah, no idea what it is. So I'm gonna be rereading like a couple of things. Yeah. Um, well awesome. These yeah, uh if, if people want we took fun. a lot of Okay. Have you ever had a chance to read I had another book called um One Hundred Questions that uh you never thought to ask and didn't want the answer to? No, this is one you wrote? Yeah, I'll send you a copy. What it is is it's the stuff that we yeah, discovered that um, when we discovered it, because people would write, so we'd check on certain things, and we're like, whoa, that's that's mind-boggling. That's not what it says in Violet. So we, we put all of those together into a single book. So if anyone's listening and they want a free copy Very of the book, cool. yeah, tell them to send me, to email me, go to our site, get the email, respond to Chronicle, Send me an email, and I'll send them a free copy of that. I don't have it on the site at the moment, but if they want a free copy, I'll send it to them. Cool. Yeah, go I want a free copy. <laughs> okay. I, I think I found the Targum, the Targum for it, for Hosea 13. For Hosea? Hosea really? 13, 16. Cool. I, I want it. that, too. Send me the link. The, 
Okay. Tell me if I'm right about it. It's uh, in the commentaries of BibleHub.com. They're not. Really? It's mentioning yeah. it. It's mentioning it. So, yeah, mentioning it. There we go. Uh, Psalms chapter 136, uh, verse 1. The actual Hebrew says, uh, admire being toward creator, thus to satisfy. And they have, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. So I think uh, the proper English would be uh, have admiration have admiration toward Creator, thus to satisfy, thus it is satisfactory, would be the correct Hebrew for that. That is very cool. Yeah, I didn't have any idea that um, the Bible Hub included the Targums, and that's a pretty nifty little reference. Yeah, that's, that's a- but it's uh, doesn't seem to be. It seems to be like the inhabitants of Samaria, particularly the man of their own, especially they are their own men. Their, their children shall be dashed into pieces against the stone walls and pavements. Who should have perpetuated their name in future ages? Hmm. Yeah. I still can't find it, but. You haven't found it when I sent it to you? It's at the bottom. At least it's mentioning it, the Targum. Targum is uh, Samaria was, shall be guilty. Uh, Shall be found guilty. The many sins and her transgressions shall be revealed as Jersey become manifest by the just punishment inflicted on her. I don't know. I don't know. That's the problem. Listen, that is, you know, that is the problem. I don't know. And it's not just me, it's everyone. So we're putting our faith and trust in other men and their and translations. So. Eek. Right. Yeah. Eek. I think and it's there. really cool what Chris can do in reading it and, you know, and looking at the original language for himself and then determining. Uh, whether those translations are are correct or not, I think that's a very cool and awesome skill, uh, and I highly respect you for your ability, uh, in, hey, you know, in doing all that. I appreciate it, but what we're what we're trying to do here is make it so that there will come a day when anybody can take what we have found, and they themselves will be able to go to any Hebrew sentence, open it up and read it for themselves, and then check it for themselves to prove whether or not, you know, we're full of crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool, too. I respect that as well. Um, I just, when I, there's something I want to mention here. Um, just And this is way back, uh, and it was uh, the history of Noah we were talking about. And I just want to see if I can pop this open, because I wanted to read it to Zen uh, about the idea of, a creator being the bad guy, you know, killing everybody in the flood. Let me quickly go down here. Um, I'm just going to go to the back of this. Sorry, guys, I'm looking through the website right here. Um, I'm going to read about what actually happened in the Hebrew. Huh. 
not what they say happened. There we go. Okay. Uh, Noah was a man who observed law, and he rose to be leaving society, being to join the originators. And so Nakab proceeded to walk with him. And Nakab brought into the world triplet sons to join him, Sham, Cam, and Ephatha. And the earth proceeded to decay before the originators, and the earth proceeded to begin to fill with rage. And so the originators perceived what had joined the earth, and therefore they observed their corruption. And so they had continued to collapse all groups of flesh to be walking a path upon the earth. So the originators declared towards Noah, um, it has reached a point where all flesh, sorry, it has reached a point where all flesh shall have a to go into for the surface or so the earth will commence. In other words, a go into is going to come up over the surface of all the earth. This is going to start. It's talking about a tsunami uh, that is coming. So make a storage vessel of cypress lumber. Chambers proceed to make to join the storage vessel and make a roof, and you know how this all goes through the whole thing. But you'll notice that the reason the originators, and you notice, by the way, it's not creator, but the originators perceived that what had joined the earth, which was the fallen ones, uh, had corrupted everything. And this is what they were going to destroy, not the, the people of the earth, but these these creatures which had destroyed all of the earth. And that is not in the Bible at all. And I think that's really sad to me. Yeah, me too. Because it makes Crater look like the bad guy, it really does. Yeah, and a hateful to humanity, to his own creation. Which is why it's, I think exactly. it's very important to understand the full story. Because, you know, I did a show even last night talking about the war in heaven and tying it together with the judgments against things like Atlantis, the flood, um, Joshua entering into Canaan and slaughtering the sons of Anak, uh, even with the wars between David and Goliath and his four hybrid giant brothers. Um, all those kind of things, they're they're all connected. The Pharisees and Yeshua, it's uh, all the same thing. The wheat and the tares, the New World Order against the you know humanity right now, it's, it's the same ongoing war. Yeah, and it's supposed to come again because uh, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will yeah. be again before I come. And people don't understand, especially considering you haven't read the book of Enoch, what it was like. Um, I have uh, I have a restored version of, of what it was like, and I'll, I'll read it a little here. Uh, and so it existed as thus. The ones who came, who come from the Adam multiplied to be upon the face of the ground, and family lines were traversing towards them. And so the originators were perceiving the sons which joined the Adam, and so they admired what they saw. And all of them established to be choosing to take brides for themselves. See, what people, the Bible has a difference that the sons of God saw the women and they wanted to boink. And that's ridiculous because nobody's going to give themselves the potential for eternal damnation in a burning pit to go have sex with a chick. Okay? It's not that good. Um, but what the originators, and, you know, that's no slap against women, but seriously. And what it says mm -hmm. is that they perceived that the Adam would have children and then they would become nations. And they said, wow, 
if we do this, we can become the head of nations. Think about this. We could start whole nations. And that's why they chose to take brides for themselves. And it says mm. in verse 35, it's very interesting. interesting. It says, and so creator declare, do not exist to follow passion. So to intermingle amid the Adam, to be over those, amid to draw close to those which became flesh. And there existed being length of time which commenced. In the Bible, they have 120 years. Uh, but the word hundred isn't there. It's the word commenced. Uh, the length of time which commenced. And 20 years, the fallen ones existed being amid the earth during the time of them. And also they appeared after in this way, which is, as Sam was talking about, um, there was the same problem when the Israelites were coming in the land. Anyway, to establish sons, the originators went into the race of the Adam to begin toward family lines. And so everyone traversed being towards them, the giants, uh, that to bridge those to begin, therefore, to display their name. So creator perceived, as so fear increased continuously toward the Adam amid the earth, and all fashioned that to continue to determine to hollow resolve. Sorry, it's Hebrew I haven't fixed. Uh, basically, these guys brought massive fear upon everybody upon the earth. And so creator thus, therefore, angered toward that, made to join the Adam amid the earth, and he resolved to proceed to carve out that group. And so creator declared, wipe away what has joined the Adam, which now has established replications over the face of the earth. That infected Adam unto the herds, unto the producers of mass offspring, and unto what flies the celestials. And so what is to perceive their death is about to appear, to arise, to finish them. What came forth, to bestow an offering to make himself visible to Creator. Now that's kind of interesting. Well, that's fascinating. So um, rather than being and wanting to lust after women or just seeking after sex, their whole thing was just like wanting to be as gods themselves. They wanted kingdoms to rule. Yes, they did. Yeah, that I, I can totally see that because that was the whole reason why they rebelled in the war in heaven anyways is because they wanted kingdoms to rule. They yeah. did not want to be servants. They wanted to be served. There you go. There's that little key that fit in all of that picture that you had in your head. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. No, that's cool. You know, it's funny because as this stuff gets restored, it, it shows that other texts that uh, people would say, stay away from, they don't match the Bible, when they get restored, they actually have the correct That's stuff the, in them. Yep, like the right. Book of Enoch, everything we've done here yeah. makes the Book of Enoch correct. Right. Absolutely yeah, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, it, because you, you look at the... Uh, their desire, you know, powers and principalities and all that kind of stuff, their desire to rule man, then it would be much more advantageous that they actually were possessing physical bodies to do it, right? Interesting. Okay. What do you think well, about them having children, too? You know, they, they could have their hybrid children rule over the masses of the people 
that end up being the nations which they created by taking wives. And so then they, having all of these different nations, then they can control as far as the fate and the destiny of world by manipulating these nations. And that's why also most um, worship these pagan, these pantheons of gods and goddesses because they did not, they were not the most high people. And that's also why the most high allowed, you know, as far as Joseph and the bondage in Egypt, 400 years of enslavement. And then afterwards he freed them and also decimated, uh, proved to all the pagan nations and the people that worship these fallen angels um, that he was truly the most high God and that he could, he could take, a people that had once been the slaves of the Egyptians and make them a mighty nation and wipe out what was then the the most feared, you know, as far as the giants, the sons of Anak, and their high-walled cities, they were untouchable. They were the most feared, and everybody had submitted to them, Og and Bashan and uh, all of the children that came up from you know, his interdiction with in, in affairs with the children of, of Canaan, they ruled that whole Middle Eastern. He was king over 60 nations, and and they their conquest was unstoppable until Joshua and the Israelites were brought up and freed and then sent in to slaughter them and destroy them and prove to the world that the Most High God rules in heaven and earth. Interesting stuff, gentlemen. That's for sure. Oh, you know, Zen. With this uh, days of Noah, you know, type the end of days would be like the days of Noah. And you look at Fukushima. Do you ever think about that? And as far as like uh, with all their uh, messing around with uh, genetic engineering, that they, that the Fukushima could be some kind of uh, like a cover type of thing, or like the reason why they're just letting it go the way it's going, or or at least perpetuating the story that if people discover things that uh, aren't right, they can always say it's nuclear radiation instead of, you know, them messing around. And, you know, I'd, I'd never even go there. I'm amazed you guys can even go there. I, <laughs> I never would have thought of that. Well, I'm well yeah, wondering. even the GMO, too. The, all the genetically modified foods and how all of that is leaching into the, you know, people, all of these farmers that are trying to grow heirloom seeds and, and have crops that are not, you know, they've been working with crops and, and crossing them and, um, you know, bringing them up for generations and having all of that destroyed. And then also being on top of that, they're being um, sued for stealing these, you know, these genetically modified crops. And it's just, it's absolutely insane. But the Book of Giants, um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it talks about the miscegenation, the genetic destruction and corruption of all things, both plants, animals, and creatures. Yeah. See, what, what I was figuring it meant was that um, when the Antichrist and his, or the Antichrists, uh, plural, uh, come out of that pit, um, that they're going to do the same thing they did at the time of Noah. They're going to take over, 
they're going to say, now we're going to set this up again, and they're going to take wives, and they're going to have kids, and the kids are going to be giants, and then they're going to do the same stupid stuff that they did all over again because they didn't learn the first time. That, that was what I thought. But, hey, it could be the other stuff. Um, something, it could be all of it. In my it, it, yeah, it could be all of it. Uh, something I wanted yeah. to mention to you, Zen, uh, while we were on this, because um, uh, you were mentioning Egypt being set up as this great nation. Um, in the first part of Genesis, in chapter 2, when the Nakash uh, screws the earth over and takes control of it by getting uh, Adam and Eve to put themselves under him, when Creator comes and says, uh, and starts talking to him, it's a very interesting thing because uh, the Christians believe that what he says at that moment, uh, it's about he shall, oh, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to do the Bible very well, he shall uh, he shall bite your heel and you shall crush his head. You know which section I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Okay. Yeah, Genesis 3.15. The okay. oldest prophecy in the in the Bible. Right. And I'm going to read what it actually says. You'll love this. To begin toward the overseer of creation, this is um, Creator talking, thus you accomplished what we speak of, which brings a curse on all those which heard and all those living creatures upon the field. This is the part in the Bible where it says, uh, and God cursed all of the creatures in the field. No, that's not what he says. It says he turns to the, the Satan, and he says, what you accomplished has brought a curse upon all which hurt and all living creatures in the field. Why? Because creator can no longer interact with the humans because he's no longer the head guy. And so he says to Menachem, with what you've done, you've basically cursed. I had intended for this, can't be done, and now this thing's just going to run amok. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, Creator goes on to say, you have depleted your rise, and dust, and dust, grown of the earth, shall proceed to be consumed all the length of your remembrances. Now, here's the cool part. Here's where the, in the Bible it has that uh, prophecy. First, and in the future, and I have that in brackets, hostility shall begin to set up between yours and between the woman. Now, notice it's talking about in the future uh, she'll begin to set up between yours and between the woman. In Scripture, the woman is always who? Israel. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say, and between yourselves, see, he didn't happen at that time, and between the offspring, singular, who shall come, who will leave, who will leave what you... Uh-oh. Are you there, Zed? Yeah, we lost you. Uh, I'm here, but we lost Chris. Scratch it here for you. And in the future, hostility shall begin to set up. Hey, Chris? You're still breaking up, brother. Am I still here? Yeah, you now you are, but you were uh, breaking up. Sure? Yeah, now you're. Yeah, maybe speak yep. a little bit slower. Okay. Just uh, when you get excited and you read fast, it, it disappears. Sure. Let's see if it's clear. This must be important. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you guys are garbling to me, too, so I'll go a little slower. That's okay. why we're getting... That's, that's okay, why we, I, tell you, I can do... We're getting Michael to hey, read this. If he reads nice and slow and he doesn't garble. Yeah, well, there okay. you go. Or what we can I'm do, Chris, is, Chris, 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 stuff Chris. in the brackets. 
Chris, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Zen? Why don't you try calling Chris back real quick? That's what I want. I want him to hang up so I can call him back. <laughs> Chris, hang up, and he's going to call you right back. Hang up, and I'll call right back. Okay, hold on a second. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, maybe that'll reset reset the, Our time's just the call for him. All right. Did he go? Disappear, disappear. Okay. And the group. How are you doing anyway, Zen? How are you feeling? Okay, oh, I'm that? doing really well, brother. I'm I'm blessed and feeling of good health and well being and uh just busy with, you know, the I'm doing the Thracian Chronicles translation. I'm doing Lucifer Father of Cain too, and I'm doing a book on the war in heavens and so and you just, um, you, just, you just put uh, a couple of our shows on YouTube, I see. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah, I finally <laughs> got a chance to burn a couple of I'm so behind doing all these roundtables with you. Uh, mm-hmm. It is crazy. I'm actually burning another one that I do with Carolyn Hamlet right now. So well, uh, tomorrow I'll try to upload a few more. But, yeah, I'm way behind as far as getting shows up on YouTube. Well, I certainly appreciate you your willingness to spend time with me. That's for sure. So. Don't have to. So. Oh no, I find it a true blessing. I'm I'm, I'm digging all these roundtables and enjoying hanging out with uh, my buds like Chris and Brad and you and uh, the awesome discussions with Jonathan and uh, Jaron and David Wise. I mean, it's it's been a fantastic uh, journey. Have you looked into um, uh, this a little bit of that that these center of the earth stuff is there anything applicable to the scripture that you could find the center of the earth yeah um i'll have to consider well just with Sheol, you know even with the gospel of nicodemus that speaks about uh christ descending down into Sheol, and then the tartarus is also in the earth and and there's also a passage in the cave of treasures which talks about um, the giants, like 37 giant tribes being locked up in the polar north um, and that they, they were hidden away until the end of days and that they will be part of the judgment as far as the uh, return of the giants and the return of the Nephilim and the locust army and all that. That's a truly interesting passage. Sometime I'll look it up and share it with you. It's uh, really interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, inviting, maybe finding a couple of folks who that's what their thing is, the center the center of the earth type of thing, or the hollow earth, I guess is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. seems to join us in our, one or two would join us in our conversation to see what, what they may um, have to add. Yeah, and that they, would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, all you can, all you can do is try. It's fact. Yeah, I can hear him sniffling. Yeah, I'm sniffing over here. Hey, you know what you need to do? Uh, hey, do you want to finish up what you were yeah. saying? Because um, yeah, it's getting late, so I'm not going to be able to stay too much longer. Yeah, same here. We, we all have bitty times. Um, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know what you need to do, Michael? Is start a new show, separate from this one, called the Round Table. 
where you have four or five people on the show and then just have this round table discussion where you have people from all different sides doing it because I think it would be a really cool show. You could do it once a week, just phone up a bunch of people and just babble for two hours. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's already taken, but I'll look into it if it's, and uh, I'll do it. I could set that up too. If, um, if y'all, you know, needed me to do that, I could set it up on, on blog talk. Um, but cool. just let me know. Or we could even do both, you know. I could um Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, we could do set up a round table uh every Tuesday night, um, since we've been doing those anyways. Yeah, and, to be. <laughs> but by yeah, the way, the thing, I, I don't want this round table thing to take away from yours and and, and mine uh conversations 'cause we have No, we can just do it, you know. I'll continue to do the that series with you and then we can just pick a a different night to do round tables and yeah. it, it would be fun. I, I enjoy the conversations with uh, everybody. So. Oh, absolutely. What would be really cool is, is uh, as you're doing the round table and people are out there listening, that you could actually bring somebody in and they could ask questions to whoever they wanted to of the group. Right. Just, be yeah, I can do cool that show. too with blog talk. That'd be such there's cool a, yeah, there's a soundboard where I could have people, you know, call in where, from wherever. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll set that up and then uh, I'll invite you guys as the first guest and we'll get it going. Yeah. That'd be cool. Okay. Verse 15 for you guys, just before, and we can wrap this up. Uh, verse right. 15. And I'm going to put in the stuff that is, uh, is inferred but not stated in the Hebrew so that it makes it clear. So, right. and... In the future, hostility shall begin to set up between yours, Egypt, and between the woman, Israel, and between your soul and between the offspring, Moses, who shall come, who will leave what you envision, the kingdom of Egypt, and with Moses, the ones tread on, the Israelites, shall proceed to leave to be following him. Yeah, fascinating. Now, isn't that interesting? What's very interesting about that is something that Zen had said, and that was the idea that Egypt is, here's what it says. It says that when this guy took over the earth, he had this plan that he'd been working on, obviously. This wouldn't spur the moment. And his plan was the kingdom of Egypt. Right. He, he was going to put this together. He was going to give them the technology. He was going to make them the greatest nation on earth to prove that his way of doing things worked. And then and they, were. they and were. were. It was phenomenal. And yet, Creator brought the whole thing down yes. with, <laughs> with, with a batch of slaves. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, oh, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that, I thought I'd leave it on that. So there we go. It's 11.58. Midnight's almost yeah. there. Well, for it's anybody, one o'clock for, here, for those but, who are listening to it in the future, gentlemen, do you want to uh, remind people what you're up to? How about you, Zen? What's coming? What's coming on this? What's going on this week for you? Oh goodness! For me, I'm working on three books all at the same time. <laughs> A book on the Thracian Chronicles, um, and I'm waiting for my two friends that are translators to to tell me what how the Thracian Church wants to proceed from here. And then I'm done with the translation on the Thracian Book of Adam and Eve. 
and I've also compiled all the other ancient translations, and so all together we'll publish that as one book. Uh, and I'm then now I'm also working again on the book on the war in heavens, and also a book on um, a, set, a follow-up, the second Lucifer, father of Cain, uh, which is I've got so much information it's already going to rival in length um, the first book that I published, which was you know, on 350-some pages um, of, uh, with information along those lines. And and then I'm still doing, you know, my two radio broadcasts on Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on True Frequency Radio called Secrets of Build. Another one on Wednesday evening, Revolution Radio, Momentary Zen, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And I guess I'm going to set up this other one, this round table, and I'm, I'm doing ongoing shows with, with you and um it's been a blast and i'm so far behind as far as uploading all these videos and i still you know run the website fallen angels tv too so it's it's crazy i have no time no time as far as commenting and keeping up with it all but it's a it's been a good time and it's been a blessing i'm learning a lot from everybody and um it's uh, it's awesome as far as you know the fellowship and the the sharing. Yeah. And Chris, what about you? You know, what's going on? Well, with you? you know, I was going to do something, but after listening to what Zim said, I'm so exhausted. I think I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> I know. I know. Man. <laughs> how, about, how about the um, website and your research? And yeah. Articles what, what we're doing right now is we're going back over everything. And I mean, everything we've ever done. And we are running all of the words through the multi-level check, which if somebody's listening and doesn't know what that is, go to our website, look on the research notes, and it will explain it. But we take each word apart, forward, backwards, and upside down. And each time we do that, there'll be a definition that comes out of it. All of the definitions have to match and point to a single concept. And then that concept, we have to translate to an English concept that works every single time that word appears all the way through the Tanakh, the Old Testament. So that's what we're redoing right now, and uh, that's awesome. It's been it's been frustrating because some of the words that we thought we had, uh, we didn't, and so we're we're going back, and I'm sort of we're almost through starting into Noah. We're just about to start into Noah again, and we're actually making headway. We, we've got two out of the three words that had a stuck root, and one of them was uh, the word to sort out, which is the word repent. And we finally figured out what that was, and so we're moving on, and I'm really hoping that we can get everything cleaned up. And once that is done, we're going to take it all, and we're going to create a uh, uh, an SDH Tanakh, which is like the Old Testament, but it's going to be one with it's expanded so that... Awesome. Whatever, I was just about to ask about that. There you go. And whatever is inferred that isn't actually in Hebrew, we put that in brackets. So it'll be a, a complete, easy read, yeah, for people to, to work with. And that's what we're aiming for right now. That is fantastic. One other question, since um, you just mentioned that. Are are you also going to include a portion um, where you have each one of the 22 letters um, as far as the self-defining Hebrew? And you ever considered putting out a, like a, a, a dictionary or, you know, how to help people to understand and to learn the self-defining Hebrew? 
Thank you for asking. See, I never even thought about that. On our website, uh, we, have dic- we have a dictionary of every word that we've done. So if you if you have a section, you can actually go and if it's in the dictionary, that'll help you. Um, we have the research notes on how the system is done, and the research notes also have um, what Jen said, the 22 letters, their meanings. There's also uh, a two-letter glyph set book, which will allow you to see when two letters are put together what they mean, and that can help you take a word apart. And if you can't take a word apart, you can always write us, and then we'll take it apart for you because we'll have to do it sooner or later. Uh, and why, why don't y'all publish that in in like a hard copy book? I think that would be absolutely fascinating. I, I would love to do that, but we're still at the point where, uh, and this is this is the one key thing that we haven't been able to do yet, and that is I can look at a Hebrew word and I know which of the glyphs are um, in front of the main word and which are behind the main word as uh, prefixes and suffixes to the main concept. But for the life of us, we cannot figure out how to explain that uh, to a normal person that's reading this. The only reason that we can do it is because we've seen the words enough. Right. And, I, and I know there's going to be a key to this, and it's going to be something so simple, because every, right. one of, every one of the rules we've come across has been simple. But until I can do that, until I can figure that out, I can't give um, a, a rule book so that an all person mm-hmm. can take a word and take it apart. And, and as soon as we figure out that one thing which we haven't been able to figure out, there's going to be exactly what you said. There'll be a rule book and all that stuff so that I can put it in everybody's hands. So if anyone's awesome. listening and they figure that out, please, please write me. If there's a if there's a malak out there that's actually, you know, listening to the program, send us an email. I'd appreciate it. I'm going to pray that the Most High just give you revelation and that that comes to you. That would be so incredible because that would be probably the last major key that we need to make this accessible to everybody. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's my prayer now and going forward. I'm going to ask the Most High to send you the revelation so that you can have that key and then share all of that with oh, everybody because that will be... I agree with that. So agree with that. On that note, gentlemen, yes. let's all go to bed. Like yeah, fashion, yeah, man. As far like as rational adults. <laughs> right. As far as uh, myself, folks, uh, tomorrow I will be interviewing James Arnett from jamesjapan.net. And we'll be talking about his... Ten years of hitchhiking, going around and talking, uh, preaching the gospel in Japan. Oh, how and cool! I know, and it's, it's funny. It's uh, you know, he's uh, done several interview or articles about the flat Earth because he's completely against it, and he's very upset for me to even bring it up. And we actually, we actually did the very first show I did with uh, um, uh, Mark Sargent. Uh, we actually, the show was about responding to. Uh, an article that he had wrote in response to me and this whole thing about the flat earth and he James asked me to actually do it on a show and respond to it so it turned out to be a very interesting show but cool. like, you know what Regard- once again regardless whether the- we see the world flat around we still we have hey, you, know, you can at least tell them one thing you can say I've had another person on that agrees with you that's <laughs> <laughs> true so, by the so, way you're not biased he, this, he, he knows spring 
chicken. He's in his 60s, and in the past uh, 10 years, he has clocked. <laughs> this is how many uh, miles? Hitchhiking. 223,042 kilometers. That's a lot. I don't know how many miles that is, but that's a lot. So <laughs> should be fun. Yeah, divided by 1.6. Uh, 1.6 kilometers to a mile. That's a lot of miles. That is. That's it. It's like 150,000 miles kind of thing. Gee. Wow. That's a lot. And he's in his 60s and he's doing this. I mean, how many right. young mm-hmm. bucks can even say they've even hitchhiked 10 miles, let alone that? So. I've never hitchhiked. I've hitchhiked from Remember. Chicago to California up to... Oregon and back to California and back to Chicago before with a girl named Delaney. That was a good time. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what an adventure, huh? Yeah, it was, absolutely. Oh, That's a good time. Then to pop into the show tomorrow night, starts at 9, and share your hitchhiking experiences with me. <laughs> oh, if, yeah, if, if you want a break from all the work you're doing, you just want to talk. Yeah, about yeah. yeah, right. There's <laughs> the ability to get more behind than you were before. Yeah, exactly. And who knows? You know, maybe uh, make a new friend I, in the process. Michael, you were right. you were. Evil man, Michael. Evil man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been fun. It's yeah. been a good time. Well, thank you. All right, brother. Bye-bye. God bless. Thanks. Bye. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.